0: Good morning, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God our Father and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. All right, it is good to see you all, and it is good to be at Spring Brook Community Church. However, you know, I, I didn't get the memo about dressing down. So I do apologize, but we are here. Amen. I want to thank your pastor, your senior pastor, Pastor Dan Harrison, my good friend. I want to thank God for him and for making this day possible, inviting me to come out today to worship with y'all. And I also would like to thank Richard and Justin, who were brave enough, I mentioned last service, they were brave enough when they came to Longdale Community Church to sit with me in Sunday school class. Um, And so, you know, they say I'm a little energetic, actually I'm a little... I'm a little down today, Uh, not spiritually, but just, you know, I normally do cartwheels up here, Uh, but, you know, so they hung out with me, and that was an honor to have them in Sunday school with us. And, of course, if you have visited Laundale Community Church, if you would, just stand to your feet so I can just see who you are. Uh, If you did ever come to Laundale, raise your hand. That's good. Amen. That's fine. That's good. That's good. That's good. Well, we want to thank you for coming out to Laundale Community Church on behalf of the entire pastoral team. Uh, we have several of us running around terrorizing folks in North Lawndale, amen, uh, but we are grateful, truly grateful, and so we just want to say thank you. We want to say on behalf of the body of Christ at Lawndale Christian Community Church, we do want to say thank you. Thank you for your time, your talent, and your treasure uh, so we can do what we are called to do on the great west side. Somebody say west side. West side. Oh, y'all y'all, y- y- y'all like, y'all like, of Chicago, and so we are so Thankful for your partnership, and we do not take that lightly. I would like to ask my wonderful and beautiful wife, Julie Mozilla Hill Sapphor, she would stand up. Amen. Well, amen. Well, I do thank my wife. I want to publicly thank her for letting me come today. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, at least I certainly know I'll get a few amens. We got some folks in the house. Not only my wife, wonderful wife, but we got some folks that have been to Londale worship service, amen. And so uh, we get we we say Amen at church, Amen. Yeah. Amen. And so my good pastor, my good friend here, he he he's on it. And so if you want to get out of here by at least midnight tonight, you'll help me out and say a few amens. amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. God, you are sovereign and you rule and reign over everything. In fact, it is because of you we move and have our being. We thank you, God, for this opportunity you have given unto us to be a part of the body of Christ, that we lift up this pastor to you, Pastor Harrison. We lift up the entire pastoral team. Those right now who are traveling to South Dakota, be with them every step of the way. Bring them home safe. We pray, God, that they will continue, Use that you'll use them to do ministry out there in South Dakota. We thank God for this church, and we thank you for the warm welcome that you have extended to my wife and I, even when we walked in the doors here this morning. And it is an honor and a privilege to be here to proclaim your word. Help us now, even as we look at your word. We do thank you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ, for he truly is prophet, priest, and king. And so help us today to look at your word so that when we leave this place, we can go out and continue to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Amen. Amen. I also want to say to you, if you would, indulge me and stand to your feet as we read our text for today. If you would, just stand with me for a moment as we read God's word. Uh, Before we read God's word, I'd be remiss. I met a young man out here today, and I said I was going to recognize my new friend. My new friend is Cole. Cole, are you in the house? There he is. That's my new buddy back there. Hey, hey, hey amen amen that's my new buddy cole amen all right well let's look at god's word if you would we want to read matthew the 14th chapter verses 22 through 24 today i'll be reading from the new international version bible and therein the reading is this immediately jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side and when he dismissed the crowd he had dismissed them He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Amen. You may be seated in front of a good and gracious God. The text says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side. When he had dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And in that boat had already been considerable distance from the land. They buffeted against the waves because the waves were against the boat. Amen. I would like to call this message the realities of Christian discipleship. The realities of Christian discipleship. Christian discipleship literally means that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. However, over the years, Christian discipleship is somewhat misunderstood, particularly in the church. Discipleship is not walking down an aisle. Let me say that again. Discipleship is not about walking down an aisle. It does not mean that you just decide to come to church on most Sundays. Did you know on any Sunday morning, anybody can get up and raise their hand and shout and run down an aisle and profess Jesus Christ? But true Christian, authentic Christian discipleship is much more than that. In the words of my good friend H.B. Charles, the senior pastor of the Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, he says it like this. It is the will of God to have the Spirit of God, to use the Word of God to make the children of God look like the Son of God. Amen. I'm going to say that again. I felt good saying that all by myself. It is the will of God to have the Spirit of God, to use the Word of God to make the children of God look like the Son of God. The Bible says that Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. Discipleship is about contrition. It is about conversion. It is about total commitment. Christian discipleship means I'm going to do my best to represent Jesus in the dark as well as in the light. It's about representing Jesus whom we claim we say we love and we want to serve. Christian discipleship is something that we continually do, which is pleasing not in your neighbor's eyes, in your own eyes, but it's pleasing in God's eyes. In essence, Christian discipleship is about honoring and lifting him up because he is worthy to be praised. I said he is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. I'm just practicing, just practicing. Because God is worthy. Yes, he is. He's worthy to be praised. And every chance we get, if we are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, we ought to give God some praise. Because I said he's worthy. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus is looking for those who are not just hearers of the word. But he's looking for those who can be doers of the word. When Jesus told his disciples, come and follow me, they dropped everything they weren't like some of us not in this church hello somebody but they were like some of us who find every reason and excuse not to follow jesus christ but these men these disciples jesus said unto them come and follow me and they dropped what they were doing and were committed to doing what jesus said in other words when he said go they went when he said whatever he said do they did And I suspect that when they thought Jesus said, come and follow me, that they were going to lead and live a life of luxury and lavishness. You do know that there is a gospel called prosperity gospel, and it is preached not only in Huntley. Did I say that? Oh, I'm sorry, on the west side and all over the world. But there is a gospel that is preached called prosperity gospel. And I want you to know that the Bible is not about prosperity. The Bible is about developing relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness in this place? And so Jesus said, let me tell you something. Come follow me. Come and follow me. But I cannot promise that everything is going to be the way that you think it ought to be. In fact, the Bible says, Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In essence, the thought—those who thought joining Jesus, some of them thought they were going to be living a life on easy street. And I'm here to tell you, I might not live in Huntley, Illinois, but I live on the Great West Side of Chicago, and sometimes following Jesus Christ ain't on easy street. In fact, if you got a newspaper and you read the newspaper, you'll know that in the city of Chicago, that there have been shootings every sense of the—every time you turn around, somebody getting shot. All I'm trying to tell you is we are committed to Jesus Christ, and you still can go through some stuff being committed to Jesus Christ. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. In other words, the thought of Christian or living a life of Christian discipleship is not a life that leads to power, prestige, and prosperity and position. Those who thought they were following Jesus, Jesus, they thought they were going to live a life that was always happy, happy, happy. You do know there's a song called Happy, Happy, Happy. Anybody heard it? Okay, amen, a few of us. They got some young folks in the house. Y'all heard the song? Amen, amen, amen. But you do know that following Jesus sometimes will put you in a strain. Sometimes following Jesus is tough. Sometimes following Jesus, you become unliked. Sometimes following Jesus, people look at you kind of strange. Sometimes following Jesus isn't a burden and will cost you something. Sometimes following Jesus, it'll let you know really who your friends are. Hello, somebody. You got to get up and go to church every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 o'clock. Following Jesus, sometimes Following Jesus, Jesus you'll have some haters that are behaving on you because you committed to following Jesus. Following Jesus might mean that you have to give up some stuff. Following Jesus might mean that you have to live and go and stay in some dark places. In fact, a few days from now, we'll be heading off to Kenya in Africa to work with some wonderful pastors there. And we'll be graduating 85 pastors this year from a school that we started in partnership with Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. So amen, amen. And I'm excited. I am excited. I am excited. Sometimes you got to leave your comfort zone and go into some dark places. Hello, somebody. Sometimes you got to live in North Londale. (laughs) That's right. Sometimes you got to go where you think you would not go. I was from the south suburb. I said south suburb. I didn't say south Chicago. I lived and owned a house in Country Club Hills. I would have never thought that I would be living on the west side. Somebody say west side. And I would have never thought that God would have called me to the west side of Chicago. In fact, real talk, God got a sense of humor. Yes, he does. Because he cleaned me up on the west side and left me on the west. I'm going to get to that a little bit further, but left me on the west side to do ministry because he said even on the west side, it's some folks that I'm trying to win to the kingdom of God. Following Jesus Christ might mean you have to leave your comfort zone. Following Jesus Christ might mean that you have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love everybody else. In fact, following Jesus means that you have to be willing to learn some stuff. Ask your neighbor, are you willing? Yeah, this is an interactive uh, church. Amen. Amen. Interactive. Let me help you out. In fact, you have to be willing to learn some stuff. You have to be willing to learn what we preach at Lawndale and teach at Lawndale Community Church. And let me tell you what some of this is. I want to give you a flavor of what's happening on 3827 West Ogden on the west side of Chicago. Because some of you may not have been out there, but... Sometimes being a follower of Jesus Christ, you got to learn some stuff. And when I came to the west side of Chicago, I didn't know anything about this particular stuff. I'm going to tell you now. But we call it Christian Community Development. I'm going to give you eight key components to Christian Community Development. The first one is relocation, reconciliation, redistribution, leadership development, listening to the community, church-based, holistic approach, and empowerment. In Lawndale Christian Community Church, we call this the eight key components of Christian community development. In other words, following Jesus means it's not about you. Tell your neighbor, it's not about you. It's not about you. No, 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 no. In fact, Jesus said it like this. If you are going to come and follow me, you must deny yourself. And I just came by here this morning to tell you that Christian discipleship in particular on the west side of Chicago is not for the weak nor the faint at heart. In fact, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, real talk, you will go through some stuff. You will go through some trying and difficult times. In other words, at times you will encounter some catastrophic challenges. On the west side of Chicago, we have a pastor who is a little short white guy about this tall. You know, last service he was about this time. (laughs) But living on the west side of Chicago, they have called him the great white hope. And they have called some of African Americans' house ends. Living on the west side of Chicago can be interesting at times. And all I'm trying to tell you is that even as we do ministry on the west side of Chicago, it can be some difficult challenges. We call them, and in the Bible, in the New Testament, let me tell you what they call them. Two words. They call trials and tribulations. However, the Bible says, consider it pure joy. <laughs> consider it pure joy when you face trial and tribulation of mankind because you do know it is a testing of your faith. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus had to make. Somebody say make. The disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. You do know that, the, that when, when you go through some stuff, God is actually getting you ready for some stuff. He's getting you ready for some kingdom work. In fact, Jesus said it like this, that this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the book, Making Neighborhoods Whole, a handbook for Christian community development written by my pastor and mentor, my friend, Drs. Wayne Leroy Gordon and Dr. John Perkins. From Mendenhall, Mississippi. When you read that book, it seems like doing ministry and making disciples is easy. But I'm here to tell you it's just the opposite. As a disciple of Jesus Christ in a Christian community of development, I'm here to tell you that real talk, you will go through some stuff. Even while striving to make neighborhoods whole. And so for the next few minutes, I'd just like to walk you through Matthew chapter 14, if I can, by pointing out the realities of Christian community development and the realities of Christian discipleship through the lens of the eight key components of Christian community development. Is anyone still interested this morning? First, in order to grasp an understanding of the realities of Christian discipleship, one must be able to understand that you will encounter Family struggles. The first 12 verses of Matthew, the 14th chapter, the scene opens up really like this. It's the death of John the Baptist, which can be found only in the synoptic gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But particularly in Matthew chapter 14, you'll discover and you'll find out when reading it that this story, Jesus is trying to develop his disciples for his own glory. And so what he is doing is before he develops them, he's going to eventually release them. He's going to release them so that they will go out and represent him. But as it is, there are challenges along the way. In fact, he challenges them that when they go through trial and tribulation, they ought to trust him in every situation. In Matthew chapter 14, you'll find or you'll see Jesus sustaining them in every scene of their lives. In Matthew chapter 14, there really are three scenes that happen and they all happen on one day. Scene one opens up really with the beheading of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a friend of Jesus. In fact, John was his family member. John was dealing with the fact that people didn't like him. Has anybody not liked you? Can you testify that there are sometimes that you got some haters out there? That there are some people who can't, don't, that just don't like you. Hello, somebody. I uh, thank you, uh, young man back there. That, yes, sir. I know you cold father, but you still a young man. Thank you. I got one witness back there. The reality is that in life you will run across people who don't like you. Yes, that's right. John the Baptist was dealing with the fact that people didn't like him. In fact, the Bible says that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. You may recall John was the one who was crying out in the wilderness that I am the voice of one in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. John was known for really saying this. He is the one who came after me, the straps of those sandals I am not worthy of untimed. John was one of those preachers who wasn't long-winded. He really had one message, and here it is. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He wasn't, he wasn't, and it, in fact, it wasn't a popular message then, and truth be told, it's not a popular message now. But guess what John the Baptist did? John preached the message anyway. And some actually repented. Some actually came to Jesus Christ. But there were some who had a problem with what John was saying. We're going to, in fact, there were some who, who actually did jump on the bandwagon, and they even sang, I, in my sanctified imagination, I would believe that they even sang a song. They sang a song, I like to call a song, a song that was sang in the African American church, and it's called Sign Me Up. It's really by a group called the Fountain Life Joy Choir. Some of you might know it. It's sign me up for the Christian Jubilee. Write my name on the road. I've been changed Since the Lord has lifted me, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. There was some who was actually singing that song. If they didn't sing that song, they sang something just like it because they were committed to Jesus Christ. And so all I'm trying to say is that you had some that followed Jesus Christ and you had some that didn't follow Jesus Christ. So much so that the religious powers of authority got upset with the ones who did follow Jesus Christ. Lawndale Community Church on the west side of of Chicago, there are some people that said, what are y'all trying to do, buy up everything? What we are called to do is love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But you will have people who, who, who don't like you because you're called to do the work of the Lord. And so the religious powers and authorities, they got upset. I'll give you the name. It was King Herod. King Herod was his name. The Bible said that Herod decided he wanted John the Baptist killed. And he used his little niece to do so. In fact, her own mama, Herodias, was in on it. Poor little Salome, who was only 16 years of age. And so at his birthday party, he decided to take the life of John the Baptist. The Bible says that he beheaded John the Baptist. And when the news got to Jesus, Jesus had to deal with the news. When the news got to Jesus, the Bible says that he went off to a solitary place. All I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes when you go through family struggles, you do need to get away to just get away. Hello, somebody. But Jesus himself went through family struggles. The text says that Jesus handled his bad news not by crying, not by throwing a fit, rolling around in the middle of the floor. No, Jesus handled that situation by withdrawing to a solitary place. In the midst of doing ministry, you will face some family struggles. That's just scene one, but in order to fully grasp and understand the realities of Christian discipleship, one has to be able to understand that you will encounter financial strain. Somebody say financial strain. Scene two really opens up with Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the Bible says that when he heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. While Jesus was out there in his solitary place, he had some folks who heard that he was there. And hearing that Jesus was there, they wanted to go where Jesus was. Now, I know that theologically, truth be told, you don't have to go where Jesus is because Jesus is really everywhere. And so, but in this text, we heard that Jesus was there and they want to be close to Jesus. Anybody want to be close to Jesus? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I'm close to Jesus. Because about 15 years ago, I came to Landell Christian Community Church, and I was not close to Jesus. In fact, I didn't have this suit on. Hello, somebody. And if I did, it was probably rented or stolen. Hello, somebody. But this suit today, I own and bought this suit today because a few years back, I was in the Hope House ministry. Somebody say Hope House. And there is a Hope House ministry on the west side of Chicago where men have come there to give their life over to Jesus Christ. Hope House ministry is a ministry where men who struggle with drugs and alcohol and or recently been released from prison and just have given up on life. Fifteen years ago, I came to Lauderdale Community Church to the Hope House. Somebody say Hope House. And it's in fact, it's a very ministry that your church, this church has supported. And we want to say thank you for that because there is hope in the house <laughs> yeah yes it is yes it is because i wouldn't be standing up here this morning if it wasn't no hope in the house hello somebody but there is hope in the house because jesus christ when you know where jesus is you want to go where jesus is and all i'm trying to say is that i did not have jesus in my life but thanks be to god i got him today hello somebody i give myself a high five and a pat on the back they wanted to go where jesus was in fact the bible says that when jesus landed They came to Jesus. Let me give you the first key of the eight key components of Christian community development. Here it is. Relocation. Relocation. The Bible says that Jesus landed in making neighborhoods whole, according to Gordon and Perkins. The concept of relocation is best understood in terms of what we call a theology of presence. It's a theology that, that it lies at the heart of God's relationship with humanity. In fact, the Bible says, and when the people started bringing or getting close to Jesus, they actually started bringing their sick to Jesus. In other words, Jesus opened the first health center. Yes, he did. At Lawndale Community Church, we got a big health center. In fact, we have 500 employees. Uh, my wife, amen, is one of the administrators at the health center. Thank, thank you, honey, for your service. Amen, amen. <laughs> But sometimes on the great west side of Chicago, we think we get, we, we opened the first health center. But here it is in the text that Jesus opened the first health center because they brought all the sick to Jesus. The Bible says, and he healed them all. He had compassion on them. According to Gordon and Perkins, it is a clear and reoccurring theme in Scripture that God desires to be present with his children. So much so that while Jesus had companion, compassion on them, he also began to preach and teach and to minister the gospel to them, even to the point when you look at the text, the text says that it, it was evening. Jesus had so much to say that it got dark, kind of like it's going to do it a little bit here. Hello, somebody. Somebody say amen. Thank you, sister. You was with me. you were right here, right here. But eventually, Jesus had a lot to say because the text says it was evening. And Jesus realized that they had been out there, and they were out there all day. The looks on their face, he saw that they were hungry. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story. It tells the story that the people got hungry. Uh, In fact, there's some people in here right now who may be hungry. Hello, somebody. Anybody in here? Okay, amen. Got one or two people. You You know, here we are. But the Gospel of John records that they were hungry because their money was funny. Has anybody had some funny money? Nobody in here, huh? Okay. Only on the wet Okay, thank you, brother. Amen. Amen. Uh, I came here this morning. I had to check and said, you know, I said, I don't have any cash. I walked in here. You know what? They they gave me a free cup of coffee. Hello, somebody. All I'm trying to say, sometimes your money can be funny. Sometimes you you think you a ball of shot caller, but you ain't got no money. That's all I'm trying to say. The people were hungry because they didn't have any money. But the Gospel of John records that they were hungry and their money was funny. In other words, they were flat broke. Anybody in here ever been in that predicament where you just ain't had no, no money and your money was funny? Thank you, sister. Amen. God bless, God bless you. There's another sister. Y'all, amen, amen. I feel like I'm at Londale now. Amen, amen. And so not only will you have family struggles, but you also can be dealing with some financial strain. Some financial strain. There are some in here right now. If we took a, a tally and a poll, y'all might look good. There's some people, I look good. Hello, somebody. Amen. Ain't that right? Thank you, baby. I got you know. Thank. But you might be going through some financial strain. You might not have enough money. In fact, some of us in here might be living beyond our means. Some of us in here might not even have enough to get through the course of the day. In fact, some of us in here might be actually go home and start pulling your hair out because we're in financial strain. The text says that the people were in so much of a financial strain that there was a food shortage. They didn't have anything to eat. But the Bible says, as the evening approached, the disciples came and said, and said to him, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Why don't you just send the crowd away? So they began to go into their own village and buy themselves some food. They were basically saying to Jesus, you taught them, you preached to them, that's enough. Send these poor jokers away. <laughs> the disciples were with Jesus all this time, and they still did not get Jesus' mission. But I'm here to tell you that this is a newsflash, that as the body of Christ, we are supposed to be committed to loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving everybody else. Can I get a witness? The Bible says that Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. Did you get it? That's what we call reconciliation. In making neighborhoods whole, according to Gordon and Perkins, in the CCDA movement, Christian Community Development Association movement, we pursue three related but distinct forms of reconciliation. Here's the first. People with God. People with other people. And people groups with other people groups. Recorded in the Gospel of Luke, the Bible says... Then on one occasion, an expert of the law, an expert in the law, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to gain eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? He answered, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourselves. However, in the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, verse 7, the Bible says, and so Jesus said to Philip, Where shall we buy some bread for these people to eat? And Philip answered him by saying, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. You know, Philip didn't get it. He didn't understand the mission of Jesus. Jesus was testing Philip, and Philip failed the test. But thank God for Simon Peter's brother, Andrew. (laughs) Because Andrew, in the sixth chapter of John, verses 8 and 9 that's when andrew spoke up and said here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish did you catch that because of in, in fact because of my sanctified imagination i'm gonna believe that andrew knew a little bit of scripture uh i didn't tell you i was a sunday school teacher and i believe that andrew went to sunday school hello somebody <laughs> yeah because he had the right answer he had the right answer somebody say thank god for sunday school hey man i love sunday school But when I was hungry, did you give me something to eat? Anybody know that verse? When I was hungry, did you give me anything to eat? Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That's redistribution. In making neighborhoods whole, according to Gordon and Perkins, no asset is too small and or insignificant. In fact, the CCDA's theology of redistribution really begins with the affirmation found in Psalm 24, verse 1. And here it is. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, that all the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their own possessions were theirs, but they shared everything they had. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, the Apostle Paul, who instructed the Philippians, said, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest on others too. And so the Bible says in John the 6th chapter, verse 10, Jesus told Andrew, Have the people to sit down. Jesus said to Andrew, Have the people sit down. Jesus listened to Andrew. According to Gordon and Perkins, listening to the community includes listening to individuals in the community and it should be considered a daily event people come to londale in fact those who have come to londale many people come to londale all around the world they look at londale christian community church and its ministries as we have the corner on quote unquote" on truth but uh w- clearly we don't have the corner on true but people come there to look at londale community church everything that we have londale community church started with a handful of snotty-nosed kids. It was really 15 high school kids. That's why during the break I got an opportunity to look through your, your church. I want to say school because I felt like I was in a school on the other side of the, on the, other side of the building. But I had a time to look through the church. I had a time to look through this building, and I was amazed and, 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 and speechless because of that section down there because Longdale Community Church was started on the premise of kids. Not Coach Wayne, Gordon, not that little short white guy, not that little short white guy. Just took it. <laughs> But Coach Wayne Gordon came to the community not knowing all the answers, not having it all figured out. In fact, he didn't even want to be the pastor. Lawndale Community Church has been in existence for almost 40 years now, since 1978. And... One of the I'll mention some of the ministries. We have a Landale Christian Development Corporation. Landale Christian Development Corporation really started because there was not adequate housing in North Landale. We have a Landale Christian Legal Center, a Landale Christian Health Center. We have a Men's Hope House. We have a Men's Nehemiah, which is a second phase of recovery. We have two restaurants. All I'm trying to say, all that we have. Did not come from Coach Wayne Gordon. In fact, if you come to Londell, in fact, if you Google it, you really don't see his name on anything. He did not come to Londell with any big, bright ideas, but he came to listen to the people. Lou Malnati's Pizzeria, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with Lou Malnati's Pizzeria. Lou Malnati's has about 40 restaurants. Their 10th restaurant is in partnership with us at Londell Community Church. In fact, that restaurant opened in 1995, and a couple of years ago they wanted to just come and pay us, give us a check, say, you know what, the restaurant is not making any money, let's close it. About three years ago, for the first time, we made $1,500, and in the, in the restaurant opened thank you, brother, amen, amen, opened in 1995. And so even with that restaurant, there was not a safe place to come eat in North Laundale. You had to go to a restaurant and stand up there. Anybody been to a restaurant behind a bulletproof glass? Well, that's what you had to do in North Lawndale. So these, these ministries that we have, they didn't just come from Coach Wayne Gordon, but he listened to the community. Listening to the community involves listening to individuals in the community. It should be considered a daily event. And I thank God that Andrew, Jesus, listened to Andrew. According to Gordon and Perkins, listening to the people affirms their inherent dignity, as well as demonstrates a theology based on humility. You do know listening to the people is important. The Bible says that then being Jesus directed all the people to sit on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Did you get that? That's what we call leadership development. Leadership development, according to Gordon and Perkins, is this. Jesus was intentional in choosing people who would eventually become leaders of the early church. He was accessible to those who he was developing. He spent a lot of time with them, including quality time. He took advantage of the opportunity to teach the people the things that they needed to know in order to become leaders. In a book Coach Wayne Gordon wrote called Leadership Revolution, he writes this, I, Wayne, have built my life around Daryl Safford. For the last 10 years, Daryl was strung out on drugs and alcohol for several years. And he came to the Hope House, after which he graduated to the Nehemiah Discipleship House, where he focused on long-range plan, planning and goal-setting. Today, Daryl serves as executive pastor of Lawndale Christian Community Church, and each week I spend one hour of focused time with Daryl. He earned a master's degree and now is enrolled into the doctoral program, which I actually completed uh, 2013, in Christian Community Development that John and I directed Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. Daryl has developed into a strong leader with an impressive set of skills. All I'm trying to say is that was because of listening to the people, listening to me. When I came to Coach Wayne Gordon after coming out of the Hope House, uh, you know what? I said, Coach, I want to I go to seminary. I want to go to school. I want to do some stuff. And he didn't say, oh, just go over there and push me aside. But no, he, he listened to me. He listened to me. In making neighborhoods whole, Gordon and Perkins go on to say, while Jesus was quick to correct and to admonish, he never gave up on people. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. That's why some of y'all are sitting here, because he never gave up on people. He was willing to give those. He was developing a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Y'all get the point. He was willing to come alongside them and give them a chance. That's what we call in CCD Christian Community Development, not only Christian Community Development, but it's called Leadership Development. The Bible says and they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the loaves of broken, pieces of, of, of broken pieces that were left over. In fact, the Bible says that the number of those who ate was about 5,000 besides women and children. The text literally says that he fed 5,000, not including the women and children, with five loaves and two small fish. Literally saying that if you put your financial situation in God's hand, that that in fact, that everything will be all right because his hands are better than our hands. Yes, it is. He, in his hands, he can do more with your situation than you can do with it in your hands. Hello, somebody. And can I get two or three people in here? I know it ain't going to be much to just testify that God will work out your situation. Yes, he is. Because I don't care whatever the situation is, God is able. He's able because he's God. I'm not telling you something i heard i'm telling you something i know yes i am i might not have a lexus out there but i got a honda a black honda you know why i'm so excited because it's mine hello somebody (laughs) he gotta do it for you yes he will and so he opens doors he not only opens doors for you but he opens doors for me the bible says trust in the lord with all your heart and not lean to your own understanding But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Church-based means that the word of God is the final authority on matters of faith and practice in all we do. The Bible takes authority over everything else. That's church-based. Mama Moore, uh, 78, 80, 80, co-worker. She's a co-worker, man. She's Mama Moore because she has, on the back of her office door, she has the board of education. Anybody know what that is? That made a paddle. That made a belt. That's what it meant. Eighty years old. She, keep, she, she still keep the pastors in line. <laughs> she still keep the church folk in line. But Mama Moore says it like this, that the church is the glue and the guts behind the ministry. According to Gordon and Perkins, church-based component of Christian community development is best lived out in concert with the other key components. Gordon also goes on to say that holistic approach. That holistic approach promoted by CCDA, Christian Community Development, started with Coach Wayne Gordon and Dr. John Perkins, gave him the hope for plugging in the dam. He delivered ministry that engages not just in spiritual, but also in social and economic and political and cultural and and, and emotional and physical, moral, judicial, and educational dimensions of the individual and communities in order to bring about kingdom transformation. In the 14th chapter of Matthew... Jesus this, this demonstrates a holistic approach. In fact, if you look at your Bible, it says in the 14th verse that Jesus ministered to the crowd physically. In the 16th verse, if you look at it, it says Jesus ministered to the crowd morally. In the 20th verse, you look at it, Jesus ministered to the crowd, both to both groups socially. In the 16th and the 29th verse, Jesus ministered to both groups spiritually. According to Perkins and Gordon, the holistic approach goes beyond loving people. It includes taking a holistic, comprehensive, and multifaceted approach to solving a community's problems. They go on to say that there are, sem- there are no simple solutions because the problems are complex and interrelated. They basically break down the family because of crime and drug addiction and because of unjust just social structures, substandard education and lack of morality and, <clears throat> and counterproductive government programs. But the Bible says... That we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. This is what we call holistic approach. Scene one opens up with family struggles and scene two opens up with financial strains. But in order to fully grasp and understand the reality of Christian community development, one has to understand this final point. That even in the midst of what we do and call to do in ministry, that you will sometimes come across some fierce storms. If you look through the text, verses 22 through, through 32, the scene really opens up with Jesus walking on the water, which can be found in Matthew, Mark, and John. The Bible says immediately. Somebody say immediately. Immediately after Jesus looked, hooked them up, which means he took care of them by healing them and feeding them, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. How many of us know there is power in prayer? Yes, it is. There is power in prayer. Because later that night, he was alone praying. And the Bible says that the boat was already considerable distance from the land. In fact, it was buffeted, which means tossed by the waves, because the wind was against it. The Bible says that shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fact, they said, it's a ghost. And they said this, and they cried out in fear. Notice that the disciples were stuck out in the middle of the water. They couldn't go backwards, and they couldn't go forward. They were stuck in the middle of the water. But the Bible says, Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I, so don't be afraid. How many know that even in the midst of your storm, God will still make a way for you? Yes, he will. He still will make a way for you. In fact, Peter replied, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out on the water. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, come on out here in the water. The Bible says then Peter got up out of the boat and he walked on water towards Jesus. You might have missed it. But he said that he got out of the boat and walked towards the water on Jesus. I said Peter was empowered. Yes, he was because Jesus called him to walk out on the boat. Uh, Let me tell you what empowering is. Empowering sometimes means giving people the chance to make mistakes. Hello, somebody. And I wasn't, in fact, I make many mistakes each and every day, but I have that opportunity and chance to make it. Hello, somebody. And I thank God for a pastor, my pastor, Coach Wayne Gordon, the Reverend Dr. Leroy Gordon, this little short white guy who allows me to make mistakes because he believes and trusts in me. He has empowered me to make some, hello. But I'll make some good decisions, too. Hello. I mean, I came up here this morning. I got here on time. Hello, somebody. But he was empowered. Our kids are empowered to get good grades in school. The Hope House men that live in North Lawndale, in fact, I'm one of them, and a grateful alumni, we are empowered to live clean and sober lives. In Lawndale Community Church, we are empowered. I don't care in the midst of everything that's going on, we still are empowered to make neighborhoods whole. According to Gordon and Perkins, we are convinced that while some people possess innate leadership ability, Leadership is something that can be learned, taught, and caught through effective modeling. They go on to say that we've seen many examples of people who, on paper, didn't fit leadership mode, but nevertheless became effective leaders as they acquired skills and gained confidence. That's what we call empowerment, my last point. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save us. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and call him you of little faith he said why do you doubt why do you doubt you have to believe in other words they were empowered but they needed spiritual renewing the bible says that when they climbed into the boat that the winds died down and those who were in the boat they worshiped him saying truly you are the son of god and i just came about to tell you even in the midst of family struggles Financial strain and fierce storms. We are still committed to calling and making disciples, particularly in North Lauderdale community. And let the church say amen.